Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. Now when I was your age, we thought that was connected with President Nixon. See? May have been. I don't know. I had studied it out. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning unto midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And behind, beside him stood John and Jim and George and Fred. I'm just translating them for you, okay? Mattathiah and Shema and Ananiah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand, on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashbadana. <laughs> I think I'd have just shortened that down to hashtag. But anyway, <laughs> Zechariah, and Meshulam, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Would you right there where you're standing right now ask God to speak to your heart this morning? Songwriter had it right when he said, All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So our Father, we come to you this morning. Realizing apart from you, we're nothing. Can do nothing. But today through you, we can do all things. Today we want you to speak to our hearts. Spirit of God, as much as I want you to speak to every staff and faculty member and every student in this student body, I want you to speak to me. I want to live where these people were this hour in the life and history of the nation of Israel. Place of revival. And Lord, from this passage of Scripture today, I pray you would penetrate our hearts. Lord, we ask you to go beyond the external and probe the internal. Point us to the eternal today. By your spirit and by your word. And we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Many of us are familiar with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of the captive Israelis who had been taken down to Babylon. 
They had been there because of their sin. They were there because of their rebellion against God. Nehemiah was a man that God used. He was not what you and I would say is a probably upfront man. As a matter of fact, if you go back over to chapter 1, would you flip back over there with me just a moment? If you go over to chapter 1 at the end of verse number 11, he tells us his occupation in that last sentence and he says, For I was the king's cupbearer. I was the one who tested the drink and the food for the king to make sure that it was suitable for him to eat. Nehemiah may have been just a lot like you are this morning. A lot like I am. Insignificant. Unknown. What made a difference in Nehemiah's life? Well, I think what made a difference in his life is found right here in chapter number 1 because it says that some of his brethren came from Jerusalem and he asked them how things were. Verse 3 says in chapter 1, They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction. The picture there is of misery and distress. They're in great affliction and reproach. The word reproach means they were an object of scorn, contempt, shame. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now the story would all be different this morning if verse number 4 then says, well, Nehemiah said I'll be praying for y'all and hope y'all do well. Look at Nehemiah's response. Came to pass when I heard these words. That I sat down. You ever had some of that news where you had to sit down to receive it? And he said, I wept. That word wept indicates a spontaneous expression of strong emotion. Then he said, I mourned. The response of one who's lost a close friend or family member. Then I fasted. Abstained from food. His burden was so heavy he spent the time he would have spent eating before the Lord. I think one of the great missing elements in many of our lives and our churches is that, fasting. A couple of months ago I preached one Sunday morning. God had burdened my heart so, so heavy I just preached a whole sermon on biblical fasting. And our church went into 40 days of prayer and fasting. It was amazing what God did. How long has, you, has it been since your desire was stro- so strong from God you abstained from eating? Or if you can't do that because of your health, abstain, abstain from Facebook or Twitter or your phone. Then he said, I prayed before the God of heaven. And he gives us a little glimpse into his prayer. In verse 5, he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant 
which I pray before thee now night and day and night for the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee both I and my father's house have sinned we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept thy commandments not the, nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses he goes on in that prayer and asks God to, to hear to answer You know the story. He's granted permission to go to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. He makes surveys, trips around the walls of the city, how he might put the project together. Chapter 6, verse 15 says that in 52 days they finish the repairing of the wall. But you know what Jerusalem's real need was? It wasn't repair, it was revival. And you know historically how Ezra fits in with this book and the return, the second remnant. And God hears and answers Nehemiah's prayer. And chapter 8 records for us the moment when revival comes. I see in this chapter three ingredients that are necessary for revival to come. First of all, I see affirmation. Affirmation. Notice verse number one. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the streets, water, water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Listen to me, if there were ever be revival in your life, in my life, in your church, in my church, in our nation, in your college, if there ever be revival, it'll, become, it'll come because we have an affirmation that God's Word is God's Word and it is applicable to us. The Bible is not something you study to get a grade for. It's not something you study so you can preach or teach. The Bible is God's Word written eternally to you and to me to help us to be all that God wants us to be. Amen. They said, we want you to bring the book of the law of Moses. I cannot imagine what that must have done, not only to Nehemiah's heart, but to Ezra's heart that day as the people requested. You know, we live in a world where even in our churches, people sometimes seems they want everything but the Bible. They want a good program. They want a good, good show. They want a good performance. They want a good... Listen to me. It is only as you and I get back to the Holy Scriptures that we're going to know the fresh breath of God on our life. There was affirmation that they needed to hear what God had to say. And verse 1 says they gathered as one man. Verse 4 says they constructed a pulpit. Verse 5, I want you to see their affirmation. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he's above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. You know how they affirmed the Scriptures? They affirmed it by reverencing it. 
It was signified in their heart as they stood to their feet that what they were about to hear was exactly what they needed to hear. I often, most often have people stand when I read the scriptures. I do it not only because it says here in the scriptures, but I believe that you and I ought to respect the scriptures. I believe that this ought to be the most precious book in all the world to us. This is God's inspired, infallible, inerrant, completed, preserved word. I hold in my hands the gift of heaven to mankind so that we might know what God wants us to know. Oh, it's not everything God knows, but it's everything God knows that He knows you and I need to know. They reverenced the book. They stood to their feet. And they stood for hours. From the morning to the midday. All the Holy Scriptures we're told are given to us for instruction, for correction, for instruction, I'm sorry, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Given for our profit. They not only affirmed it by their reverence, they affirmed it by receiving it. Look at verse 3. It says, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning to midday before the men, the women, those that could understand. And the ears... Of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They were engrossed in hearing the scriptures. They weren't sitting there thinking, when's this going to be over? When will this be through? I, I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been there to be in that crowd in the street before the water gate. James chapter 1, verse 21 exhorts us, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Listen to me, young man, young lady, college student, staff member, me... If you and I are going to hear what God says, there are some things we have to lay aside. The superfluity of naughtiness. The cares and the concern and the bombardment of this world. And every one of us live in a culture that is so inundated with all things anti-God and anti-Bible and anti-Christ. And you and I, we have to put those things aside. We have to lay those thoughts aside. It's not my reasoning versus God's revelation. No, it's God's revelation and God's revelation alone I need. Yeah, right. Then James said, let us receive. That word receive means to welcome it, to invite it. This morning, I hope somewhere this morning... Or maybe last night before you went to bed, you had a place where you got along just you and God and His Word. And when you did, I hope you said to God or at least expressed in some form, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. Receive it. Treasure it. Cherish it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Their affirmation only by reverence and receiving it, but, but they show their affirmation by retaining it. Look down at verse number 8. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly. I love that word. That means they did it so everybody could understand. 
Listen to me. If you, God's called you to preach, you are determined you're going to preach so the smallest child in your congregation can understand what you're saying. Preaching is not a time to impress people with your vocabulary. It's a time to make the Bible understandable, distinctly. They read it distinctly. We're there in verse 8. And caused them to, un, I mean, I'm sorry, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. There was no slipshod preaching, presentation, explanation. I believe that not only did they read the scriptures, but when it says they gave the sense and caused them to understand, I think there were two things involved in their reading of the scriptures. Number one, there was explanation of the scriptures. You know, people need to understand we live in a culture that's so illiterate when it comes to the Bible. I mean, I'm, I'm 58 years of age, but when I was your age, pretty much our culture understood some... I, I could mention some basic things from the Bible when I was in college, and even unsaved people understood what I was talking about. That's not true anymore. We're post-Christian. We're, we're past that day in America. They explained it. They gave it the sense. You, you know... You know this because you're in college, you preacher boys are, but, 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 but homiletics is not preached. Homiletics is not taught just so you can, you can give the scriptures. It's not just explaining, but it's expounding. And when I say expounding, I'm talking about making application. When somebody walks out of the sermon, they ought to be asking, now what? Now what? They gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. When revival comes, number one, there'll be affirmation. Number two, there'll be adoration. Look at verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord. See, when the Bible is affirmed, then God is adored. The end of Bible preaching and Bible worship is not about you and it's not about me. The end is all about God. I'm glad this morning we sang, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown Him Lord of all, how great thou art. I, I, love, I love hymns that lift our eyes heavenwardly. I'm not against a testimonial song, experiential song. But when I worship the Lord, I want to I worship Him. I want to exalt Him. I want to magnify Him. I want to glorify Him. Ezra blessed the Lord. What does it mean he blessed the Lord? It means he ascribed to Him glory, honor, and majesty. Now listen to me this morning. We know and understand God has all of those things without us doing anything. But how much better is it for us to get in on the program and give God glory and give Him honor and give Him praise, lift His name up, Exalt Him, worship Him, adore Him. 
Who did they worship? Who did, they, who did Ezra bless? Notice it. Verse 6, He blessed the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah, the God who is who was and is and is to come, the unchanging, self-existent, immutable, holy God of the universe, the one who has completed Himself without anybody else. He blessed the Lord. Not only did He bless the Lord, notice that next phrase. He blessed the great God, Elohim, the Creator. The great one. Not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. The all-sufficient one. The one who provides and meets our needs. He blessed him. And when he blessed him, notice what the people did. All the people answered. Would you say those next two words out loud with me? You ready? Amen. Amen. See, adoration of God is vocal. Adoration of God is vocal. When the Bible says you and I are to praise the Lord, as a matter of fact, did you remember what it says over in that last psalm? Let everything that hath breath, everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. You know what it means? That means you ought to do it. You say, well, that just ain't me, Pastor Ray, but I'm, I'm just kind of quiet. I bet you get excited about something. I, you know, I don't know what it is. It may be, of course, I was raised in Alabama, so we play football there. Football. I live in North Carolina. They play some other kind of ball there. But anybody can play with a ball that bounces back to you. It takes a man to play with a ball that bounces away from you. I bet you get excited about something. It may not be sports. Maybe making money. Maybe doing good academically. You, you, you may have got a test grade back that was so much higher you thought it was. You said, wow. Well, won't you give God a wow every once in a while? Well, I don't know if wow's good. Well, if that's the only thing you can say, say wow, you know. Kind of reminds me of Tom Wallace when he's pastoring. In uh, Louisville, Kentucky, had a fellow got baptized one morning and come up out of the water, just been saved, come up out of the water. He said, hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> they did like you did. And Brother Wallace said, it's all right. He'll learn the lingo and he'll know what to say later. Hot dog will work for today. <laughs> hamburger, hamburger, amen. But anyway, <laughs> adoration is vocal. See, I believe that as Ezra blessed the Lord, he wasn't just standing there going, I think, he was, I think he was calling out his names. I think he was reminding the people who God was. I think he was reminding the people of what God had done for them. Good. And all the people, all the people responded by saying, Amen. Now remember why they're worshiping. They're worshiping because they've heard the word of God. They didn't need a bunch of music to pump them up. They didn't need the latest video presentation to get them. And I'm not against those things, guys. Don't walk out of here today and try to cause a debate in the dorm tonight. Um, But that wasn't the purpose. That wasn't the reason. That wasn't the object. That wasn't the goal. I mean, 
Ezra blessed the Lord. The people said, Amen. Was Amen me? So be it. Yes, He is Lord. Yes, He is God. Yes, He is Creator. Yes, He is sufficient. Yes, He is the same. Yes, He is immutable. Yes, 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 yes. How long has it been since you just got along with God and just said vocally to Him, Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you for saving me. I didn't deserve that. Lord, thank you that you let me come to West Coast Baptist College. Thank you, Lord. Instead of griping and complaining. We're all good at griping and complaining, aren't we? You know? I am just like you are. But their adoration was was vocal. Their adoration was visual. Look at verse 6. And the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. Touchdown. They raised their hands. You said, well, they must not have been Baptist. <laughs> no, it's all right. I was raised in a little country church. My great-granddaddy in 1898 built a brush arbor on the corner lot of his farm Invited a preacher in. I don't know how many people got saved, but 43 of them followed the Lord in baptism in a two-week revival meeting. So he gave that acre of land, and they built the little church I grew up in. My great-granddaddy was in heaven when I started preaching, but he had a fellow in our, we had a fellow in our church who knew my great-granddaddy. His name was Will Roney. Particularly while I was in college, when I would come home on the weekend, and pastor let me preach. Old Brother Will, he was in his 90s. He used to say, we just had two sections of pews. He said over here on the right side, about the third pew. When I'd stand up in the pulpit, he'd stand up. It'd take him a minute or so to get up. And he'd say, Brother Raven, can I testify? What you going to tell a 90-year-old man? No, sir, sit down and be quiet. I'm going to preach. <laughs> he said, could I testify? I said, yes, sir, Brother Will, you go ahead and testify. He said... Brother Raven, he said, I knew your great-granddaddy Albert. He said, I want you to know, me and Brother Albert, we are shouting Baptist. He said, we are shouting 1,900 years before there was a Pentecostal. (laughs) Can I just stand there and say, have at it, Brother Bill. You shout all you want to shout, friend. I'm like old B.R. Lake, and I just don't want this... None of this, you hold my baby while I shout. God says shout, you just start shouting whether you got the baby in your arms or not, Brother Lincoln said. (laughs) They worshiped the Lord by raising their hands. They were not ashamed to acknowledge Him and praise and adoration to Him. Notice something else. It says, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Real worship doesn't leave you standing up. Real worship causes you to fall down. See, adoration is not just vocal and it's not just visual. 
It's vital. What you mean vital? It's vital for you and I to be all that God wants us to be, to bow ourselves before Him and confess to Him that we are who He says we are. What it means in 1 John 1, 9 when it says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess means we agree or take God's side. We say you're right and we're wrong. This is something I've learned from being a Christian a little 48 years. I wish I practiced it more than I do. But the more I see God in His Word, the more sinful I see me in my eyes. They went running and jumping and hollering and screaming. No, they were falling flat on their face in humility and confession. Just like I ask you, how long has it been since you said to the Lord, Lord, thank you, I praise you. I want to ask you this morning, how long has it been since you said to the Lord? I'm breaking your heart on our Lord. I'm doing my own thing on our Lord. Going on my own power, my own strength. Forgive me, Lord. There was affirmation, there was adoration. And one last ingredient there was action. Go down to verse 13 with me a moment. It says, and on the second day. Isn't that interesting? They met with God on that first day. But they came back again the second day. Why? Why? You have to wonder why. think because God had begun something in their heart that they couldn't just turn off. On the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites and unto Ezra the scribe even to understand the words of the law. And they found, verse 14, written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. They're they're reading in the Bible and they come to the passage we know as Leviticus 23 and they read about the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 15, it says that they should publish and proclaim all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth into the mountain, fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booze as it is written. So what did they do? Action. Look at it, verse 16. So the people went forth 
and brought them and made themselves booze, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts, in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity made booze. And said unto the booze, for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, of course we understand it to be Joshua unto that day, had not the children of Israel done so. They, they, they went into action. They were obeying. They, number one, realized we have not done what we should have been doing. Listen to me. If you're ever going to do anything or anything more for God, you have to first realize you haven't done everything you could do. They repented. You say, what do you mean they repented? The word repent means to make an about face. It's a military term. To make a 180 degree turn. They repented. They said, you know what? We hadn't been doing this, but I'm going to go out here in the wilderness and I'm going to find me some myrtle branches and some palm branches and some pine branches and some branches of them trees that's got thick leaves and I'm going to bring those back into town and I'm going to get up on the top of my house and if I don't have a place on the top of my house, I'm going to do it down here in the courtyard. I'm going to go over there to the water street. I'm going to go over there to the gate of Ephraim. I'm going to get over there near the house of God. And I'm going to build me a booth. And they sat in that booth seven days. They realized, they repented, and then repeated what they knew they ought to be doing. But I love the last sentence of verse 17. And there was very great let's be honest, that's really where every one of us want to live. We all want to live in the place of great gladness. How do you do it? You realize your error, you repent of it, and you start doing what God said you ought to be doing all over again. You repeat it. Verse 18, also day by day from the first day to the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days. On the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to the manner. If you keep on reading, we're not going to, but if you keep on reading chapter 9, it continues on. They get down, matter of fact, 9-1 starts off on the 24th day of the month. They assembled in fasting, sackcloth, earth, the seed of Israel, separated themselves with strangers, stood and confessed their sins, iniquity of their fathers stood in their place, read in the book of the law of the Lord, their God, one fourth part of the day, and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. They kept on affirming, they kept on adoring, and they kept on acting like God wanted them to act. And if you get to chapter number 10 of the book of Nehemiah, they're willing to put their name on the dotted line and sign a covenant and tell God from this day forward, we're going to do what you say. Revival comes when? When there's affirmation. God's Word. You receive it. Retain it. When there's adoration, you worship and bless His name and thank Him and praise Him and lift the holy hands and fall on our faces. Then there's action. When we do what God says we ought to Listen to me. This was no elite crowd. If anything chapter 8 tells us, it tells us over and again, all the people, all the people, all the people. This wasn't just for the priests. It wasn't just for the scribes. It wasn't just for the Levites. All the people, all the people, all the people. Now let's bring it forward to Lancaster, California this morning. It's for you. 
I won't leave Brother Shepherd out. And it's for me. The question is, what will we do? Will we affirm God's Word, adore God of the Word, and act like we're the people of God? Let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And God, this morning's got our attention. What will you do with it? Some of us need to come and find a place of prayer and say, the Lord, this morning, Lord, I hadn't even been studying your Word for myself. I'd just been studying it for a class. Lord, I haven't reverenced your word and retained your word. Lord, forgive me. You're right. I'm wrong. Lord, I haven't adored you. I got caught up in this or that, the other. I'm talking about good things, not bad things. Lord, I just need today just to pause and bow before you and say to you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then I need to get off my knees start doing what I know what I'll do. I've realized it. I'm going to repent of it. And I'm going to start repeating it. Father, help us this morning. Help every one of us to do what we ought to do in this hour.